0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Electoral College convenes this afternoon for a lost cause, to cast their votes for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. The state reports 84 more fatalities and almost 9,000 new cases of COVID-19. Bad as that is, it's the first day in a week with fewer than 10,000 new infections. Governor Ron DeSantis emerges from his bunker to talk about the arrival of COVID vaccines and defend the state raid on a COVID whistleblower. He wishes people would stop using the R word.
1: It's not a raid. I mean, with all due respect, um, what you just said is editorializing. They, sir, excuse me, excuse me. No, excuse me. I'm not going to let you get away with it. These people did their jobs. They've been smeared as the Gestapo for doing their jobs.
0: Not sure what else you call it when officers walk into a private home with guns drawn to investigate a nonviolent crime, so we'll stick with RAID for now. The governor's been accused of spinning the COVID data and withholding information that doesn't support his agenda, but every once in a while he says the right thing in the wrong context. I call these the Ron DeSantis Unintentional Moments of Truth, and you'll hear four examples later in the show. A Florida couple is in jeopardy after being accused of stealing the questions and the answers to Florida's teacher test guide and selling them in study guides and test prep tutoring.
2: We have a situation where the misappropriation of these questions and answers have had the effect potentially of corrupting the process by which Florida, the third largest state in this country, tests, evaluates and certifies its teachers as well as its educational leaders, administrators and principals.
0: On today's Sunrise Soapbox, U.S. Attorney Larry Keefe says the case has international implications. Florida's education commissioner calls the allegations abhorrent, unacceptable, and embarrassing. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who is vowing to rebuild his roadside snake exhibit after fire killed all of his reptiles. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, December 14th. On this date in 1972, NASA astronaut Eugene Cernan became the last person to walk on the moon as they wrapped up the Apollo 17 mission. This is also National Bouillabaisse Day, honoring the fish stew native to Marseille, France. 29 presidential electors gather in the chamber of the state senate this afternoon to cast Florida's votes for Donald Trump. Not that it's going to change anything. The president beat Joe Biden in Florida by more than three percentage points. That may sound close, but in Florida, it's damn near a landslide. Our votes were counted early. There were no recounts or court challenges, but it wasn't enough to keep Donald Trump in the White House. The State Health Department reported 84 more deaths and 8,958 new COVID-19 cases Sunday. It's the first time in a week with fewer than 10,000 new cases in a day. But remember, Sunday's totals are always low because of the way the data is collected and entered into the system. We've now had at least 1,125,931 cases. That includes almost 68,000 new ones over the past week, and they've been trending higher for 11 consecutive weeks. The number of fatalities in Florida, 20,133. A report from the White House Coronavirus Task Force shows state leaders were urged to take immediate action to respond to the surging COVID crisis, but Governor Ron DeSantis ignored or criticized those recommendations. The report was obtained by the Center for Public Integrity after the governor's office refused to release it. It says 99% of the counties have moderate or high levels of community transmission in Florida. The state is a red zone for new cases and positivity rates. The report suggests changes like requiring face masks, physical distancing, hand washing, and reducing capacity limits or even closing indoor gathering spaces like bars and restaurants. The governor has already announced that is not going to happen. The Orlando Sentinel is already suing him to try to force the governor to release those weekly reports from the White House task force. The governor emerged from his cone of silence Friday when he had some good news to share, Florida's first COVID-19 vaccines. That gave reporters the chance to grill the gov on the state raid at the home of COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones. She calls it retaliation and accuses the Florida Department of Law Enforcement agents of engaging in Gestapo-like tactics, all of which DeSantis denies.
1: This individual became known because she alleged a conspiracy theory at the Department of Health which is unfounded, never proven at all. She was fired because she wasn't doing a good job. Uh, there was none of the stuff that she said was ever proven. you think that would be the end of it. Obviously, she's got issues. Um, on this situation, there was an intrusion of a very sensitive system. It's an emergency alert system. If somebody gets a hold of that, they can do a lot of damage. I mean, you could really frighten a lot of elderly people, other vulnerable populations. So when that happened, uh, the Department of Health did the right thing. They went to law enforcement. They said, we can't allow this to happen and do an investigation. And so the health um, or the law enforcement looked at the intrusion. They identified the IP address. Then they did what any investigator would do they subpoenaed the internet provider. The internet provider provided this residence as the IP address that did the intrusion. So they got a search warrant, got the devices, and guess what? They're probably going to be able to match those devices to the intrusion, at which point that's clearly a felony offense. And so I think Floridians want uh, government to protect them. I think that they want these uh, sensitive systems to be protected. I don't think they want them to be intrusion. And just because you're a darling of some corners of the fever swamps, that does not exempt you from following the law.
0: The governor is also annoyed that the media keeps describing it as a raid. He bristled when a reporter used the R word.
1: I knew there was an investigation. I didn't know what they were going to. It's not a raid. I mean, with all due respect, um, what you just said is editorializing. They sir. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, excuse me. I'm not going to let you get away with it. These people did their jobs. They've been smeared as the Gestapo for doing their jobs. They did a search warrant. Why did they do a search warrant on the house? Because her IP address was linked to the felony. What were they supposed to do? Just ignore it? Of course not. They went, they followed protocol. We actually have video from the Tallahassee PD showing that they were very respectful. She was not cooperative. It was not a raid. They were serving valid process in accordance with the laws and constitution of the United States and the state of Florida. They did it with integrity. They did it with honor. And to say it's a raid uh, is is disinformation. And you guys need to draw. Excuse, excuse, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You guys need to look at facts and stop trying to feed narratives. I understand why you do it, but it's not supported by facts. And so you should be better than that. All right, thanks everybody.
0: And with that, DeSantis headed for the door. It was a stark contrast to a few minutes earlier when he was delighted to talk about vaccines. We're getting about 180,000 in the first shipment, and the governor says the state may not even bother with a PR campaign encouraging vaccinations because, well, people don't trust the messenger.
1: So in terms of the vaccination campaign, um, you know, I'm open to doing it statewide, but I know I've spoken with some of the hospital systems. They're really going to be reaching out in their communities. And so um, in some ways they may be the best messenger for this uh, just because they tend to be uh, uh, trustworthy uh, folks um, because people know they're part of the community. But there is going to need to be communication one way or another. If we can fill uh, part of that void, uh, we will do it. I mean, I think that unfortunately. Uh, we've been through uh, a time period where the public health messaging has been very poor. I mean, you go back from the very beginning of this and you can find time and time again things that have kind of fallen to the public and be like, are you kidding me? Now we have situations where uh, some parts of the country are closing playgrounds for kids. Because they're quote following science. There's no science to back that up. That's crazy. Uh, you have people lecturing their constituents, don't travel, and then literally, the minute they end up with the press conference, they drive to the airport to travel. And so people see that, and I think that they just they get really frustrated. And so I think part of it, you know, you know, I'm not out there te- lecturing people about thing. I mean, we try to put out the information. But for example, I would never tell anyone not to see their family. I thought that was totally, totally overboard when you had some of these public health bureaucrats saying that who are they to tell you not to see your family. It's appropriate to say we're seeing increased prevalence. Here are some of the circumstances where the risk would be higher. Here are some of the people who would be higher risk and then give people that information. But to say don't see. Uh, I thought that that was totally unacceptable. So that is just something because people see this um, that, that we're going to have to overcome. But I think, I think we can, and I think the fact that this has been tough on a lot of people, uh, people are going to want to be able uh, to, to kind of have their lives back to normal, uh, particularly in the high-risk group. So I think you're going to have a lot of demand. I don't think it's going to be as high as we hope but I think it'll be higher than a lot of people thought maybe a couple months ago. Remember, this is the first vaccine that's really ever been politicized. I mean, this was a campaign issue. You know, you had people like Kamala Harris basically campaigning against the vaccine, which I thought was 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 uh, was not good. Um, And so you got to kind of overcome that. So hopefully people will speak with one voice on it again. I think the fact that we're not mandating it helps our credibility. Because the minute you mandate, man, people would, would be in the corner and you would have a lot of problems. And so we're offering it. We want as soon as there's enough supply for everyone who wants it to get it free of charge. That's, that's the goal. Uh, that will take months, uh, but, but that's the goal. Uh, but, but no one will be forced to take it.
0: The governor has been accused of downplaying the danger of the virus in order to get Florida back to business. But every once in a while, he says what the rest of us are thinking. I call these the governor's inadvertent moments of truth like when he accused reporters of deceiving the public by using the word raid to describe the search on Rebecca Jones' home.
1: You guys need to look at facts and stop trying to feed narratives. I understand why you do it, but it's not supported by facts, and so you should be better than that.
0: that. That is some serious projection, and it's pretty much what the governor's critics have been saying about his entire COVID spin. Then you have this little gem as the governor talked about why Jones is under investigation.
1: I think Floridians want uh, government to protect them.
0: If only he displayed the same zeal about protecting us from the virus as he does from the whistleblower. Then there's this statement about a PR campaign to convince Floridians to get vaccinated. The governor says there is a trust problem.
1: Unfortunately, uh, we've been through uh, a time period where the public health messaging has been very poor.
0: And whose fault is that? Well, the Trump administration was in charge of national messaging and DeSantis is in charge of state messaging. So, yeah, very poor. And one final note, the way the governor describes COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones.
1: She was fired because she wasn't doing a good job. Uh, There was none of the stuff that she said was ever proven. You think that would be the end of it. Obviously, she's got issues
0: course, we all know the phrase she's got issues is code for mental or psychological problems. The governor made this remark after a 40 minute roundtable discussion on how the COVID crisis has impacted the mental health of first responders and the stigma that comes with it. It's almost like he didn't have a clue. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Florida unveils an indictment that could make parents wonder if the person's teaching their kids are actually qualified. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged.
1: As the number of COVID-19 cases are increasing, the potential collision of COVID-19 and the flu virus could lead to a new word Floridians do not want to use, twindemic. That is why Florida Blue, the Florida Hospital Association, and the Florida Medical Association have joined forces to encourage Floridians to get their flu vaccine today. Visit Floridablue.com, fha.org, or flmedical.org to learn more and support a flu-free Florida.
0: Welcome back to Sunrise. Teachers and school administrators in Florida have to pass a rigorous exam to be certified by the state, but some of them may have found a shortcut. Larry Keefe is the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Florida, where a federal grand jury has indicted Kathleen and Jeremy Jasper of Estero on more than 100 wire fraud and racketeering charges. Keefe says they're accused of stealing the questions and the answers from the state exams and spending four years selling that information in test prep materials sold through their business.
2: As alleged in the indictment, the two uh, defendant individuals fraudulently accessed the questions and answers to Florida's teacher certification examination. Through fraudulent means, they were able to access the content, including the questions and answers, and that enabled them, as alleged in the indictment, to uh, appropriate and obtain the questions and answers. They sold those questions and answers, uh, and uh, those questions and answers were purchased by those who sought teacher certification in Florida. Beyond the fact of the theft of these trade secrets, which are owned by the Florida Department of Education, a significant number of individuals, as well as organizations, obtained these questions and answers, and were part of the dissemination of them and use of them by a certain uh, numerical segment of people who sat for and took and prepared for the exam. When the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office gets involved in a matter, there there needs to be, and it's important that there be a specific particular federal interest that's triggered to draw uh, federal resources and interest. In this particular case, federal taxpayer dollars were uh, appropriated to the state of Florida and used by the Florida Department of Education in this teacher certification, evaluation and testing process. So that's a component. We are always watchful in the Department of Justice to uh, make certain that, uh, that federal taxpayer dollars are spent as they should and they're properly safeguarded. Second, the second component that triggered a federal interest in this case is that this is not just an internal to Florida situation, But this is an interstate situation. States other than Florida were involved in the transactions. And there is also an international component to this case. Countries other uh, than the United States were involved in the transactions that are encompassed in this case. The third critical aspect of the federal interest here is we have a situation where the misappropriation of these questions and answers have had the effect potentially of corrupting the process by which Florida, the third largest state in this country, tests, evaluates, and certifies its teachers as well as its educational leaders, administrators, and principals. It is this direct secondary impact of these private individuals and their private organizations misappropriation of the questions and answers, it is this direct secondary impact that that trade secret information was a critical component in this process that the state of Florida uses to test, evaluate, and ultimately certify its teachers, principals, and administrators. We want to do everything we can to maintain the great trust that the people of Florida have in the Florida Department of Education. Uh, It's very, very important to note here that despite this implication or inference that may be drawn, that there is a cloud on the competency and or integrity of uh, one or more or a significant number, as we believe the case to be, teachers and principals in the the state of Florida, it's very important to understand that our teachers and our school administrators, uh, vast, vast, vast majority of them are highly competent, high integrity, and selflessly do great and good work each day through very challenging times, for all of us, the students, the parents, and the public at large in Florida. So great care has to be taken here to make certain that the work we're doing to provide accountability in this case doesn't cast a improper cloud or paint with too broad a brush with our good teachers and administrators.
0: The Jaspers are accused of selling more than 10,000 study guides with the stolen test information. Attorneys for the Jaspers say they completely disagree with the allegations. They insist the test information being sold and used in their tutoring business was already on the Department of Education's own website. Your calendar of events begins with the Volusia County Legislative Delegation. They're meeting at 9 in DeLand as lawmakers prepare for the 2021 legislative session. The Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council meets at 10 in Pinellas Park. The Marion County Legislative Delegation meets at 1 in Ocala. Florida's presidential electors meet at 2 in the Florida Senate chambers to cast their votes for Donald Trump. The Florida Children and Youth Cabinet meets online at 3. The South Florida Water Management District holds an online forum at 4 about recreation issues. And the Florida Department of Transportation will hold a hearing at 6 in Miami to talk about a five-year transportation plan in Miami-Dade. Finally today, a Florida man who owns the Wild Florida exhibit in Osceola County is vowing to rebuild after a fire destroyed his snake pen and killed all the reptiles. Sam Hot is co-owner of the wildlife attraction in Kenansville, which offers airboat tours, a gator park, and a drive through safari. He says a heating device in the snake pen malfunctioned over the weekend and the resulting fire destroyed the enclosure. The state fire marshal's office is investigating. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.